Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in our study that we're doing through the New Testament right now, um, we are well in. This is, uh, I looked at, this is lesson 180, I think. Um, that means we've done this for a long time. Uh, and we're making great progress. Um, as those of you who have been coming know, we did, we did the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, John, um, and then we went through the book of Acts together. And then when we finished with the book of Acts, since we'd spent so much time talking about Paul and his missionary journeys, what we've been doing for well over a year now, is we've been looking at the letters he wrote to the churches that he started on his missionary uh, journeys. And we're, um, we're, we have, we, uh, we have Ephesians to do, we have Philippians to do, um, we have the um, letters to Timothy and Titus, and then we'll, we'll pretty much be done with what Paul wrote, and then we'll, we'll move on to the rest of the letters. But um, probably by now you figured, um, you figured out that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament, uh, because we've covered lots of it. Um, and so um, he, he teaches us a lot about what the church looks like because there, we didn't have any other reference point. Um, you know, the church started with uh, the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost and Jesus, you know, basically saying, when he comes, here you go. And um, from there, you know, it was, it was the Lord uh, leading the guys into what happened. And, and uh, Paul starts these churches um, and, uh, you know, he, he's mostly working with, in Gentile areas and they don't even have a synagogue point of reference to draw from. So there's a lot of issues uh, in the churches. A lot of things happen, as you can imagine, in churches. That, you know, today, they, we still have pretty much the same issues. Um, Paul writes letters back to the churches where there are questions. And uh, knowing that this is a part of what's taking place, it allows us to hopefully have a better idea of what's being said in the letters, that we hold them in some level of, uh, of context to what they were being written to and that we don't take them out of context and try and make them to say something they weren't saying. They still apply today. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit and, and we, we believe them to be the you know, infallible word of God. Um, but but we, we wanna make sure we're holding it in the context of what Paul was doing and at the time and what he was writing to at the time and then how that applies to today. Uh, in Ephesians, um, the theme uh, sort of, of Ephesians is uh, it, Paul talks about the church as a living organism. Um, the actual body of the living Christ. And it's very important that we understand the church that way. It's, it's important in our, in our personal relationship with Jesus, and it's important in how we live with other believers, um, understanding that, that we're to be nurturing and encouraging one another and ministering to one another and using the gifts that God has given us to, to bless one another and help one another. And so that's all part of this process. Ephesus was um, sort of the, um, uh, the religious center of the province of Asia. And I, I use the quotes because um, it, it wasn't religious in a good way. Oftentimes, religious isn't good anyway. But, but uh, they certainly weren't. They, they worshipped a, a multitude of false gods. Um, and uh, there was a great temple there, the, the great temple of Artemis, that was very well known at that point in time. And it drew people from all over, um, like tourists at the time. And it, 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 in effect, served as a giant bank um, that cities and nations, um, as well as individuals, applied for loans. That's what was going on at this, this great temple of Artemis. And uh, uh, it was a very um, successful, institutionalized religion um, that's taking place there uh, in, in Ephesus. And Paul writes against that backdrop of, of what the church looks like, that um, 
that, that the church of Jesus um, isn't, uh, you know, just an institution. It's a body, he says. It's, it's a family. It's a, it's a holy um, but living temple. Um, it, it reveals um, the glory of God um, through the living personalities of its members. And that makes it far better than any huge temple that draws tourists from all over the world. It's, it's alive. It's, we're the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. We're, we're, we're fully alive in him. And, and so, you know, the church is us. We remember that because we have to be careful. It's, it, and it happens. It just slips into our vernacular that um, um, we start to think of church as the building. Um, I'm going to church. I mean, we say that, right? And, and, and oftentimes we, you know, we forget and we're talking about the... But we're not. We're the church. When, when you guys leave, the church has left the building. That's one of our sayings. Uh, you know, that you're gone. You're out in the mission field. You're still the church. You're just not in the building any longer. But you're the church. And, and um, we have to make sure we get that concept at some levels. And Paul will make sure we get that in the book of Ephesians. So, you know, we, we're the church and we gather in a building and so it becomes the church building, but the building's not the church. It's you guys. It's us together that, that are the church. All right? And so um, we want to be careful not to think of the churches in just sort of institutional terms as, you know, buildings and programs and activities. Um, we have to see that, that we're the body of Christ and um, that we need one another and that we're living expressions of Christ here in a fallen and broken world. And uh, um, his glory is expressed through us. Um, and see, see, that understanding is important because uh, it, it makes an impact on how you see yourself. And, and um, see, we, we get our, our self-identity in him. Um, our self-image comes from him and and you know if we don't have a if we don't feel good about ourselves then we are often withdrawn and isolated and distant and uh, and yet when we understand that we're we're his children um, that the Holy Spirit lives in us that we're we're children of God that we have a mission and a purpose and we begin to see ourselves in that light we, we tend to respond much differently into the world around us we we respond as, as much more capable people because uh, in our weakness, he is strong. We may not be able to do it apart from him, you know, but, but in him, God can use us to do amazing and wonderful things in him that we couldn't even think of. I mean, uh, uh, you know, he's, he, he's amazing how he changes lives, isn't he? How he, how he takes you from, from one thing and, and, and brings you into something different and, and all of a sudden you, there's things that, that he has you doing that you would never have said that's what I could do. Uh, that's God and and he's at work in us in a very uh, significant and amazing way so the first couple of the chapters the first couple of chapters of Ephesians are kind of about um, what I just talked about so let's uh, let's dig in and I'll make a few points on the other end of the reading um, it's Ephesians chapter 1 23 verses you can read along in your Bibles if you've got one I'm going to be reading out of the NIV the notes are on the page that we were passing out um, or there's there's Bibles on the rows if you want to grab one of those or you can just listen to my lovely tone as I read. <laughs> Sorry. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as an aside, don't, didn't they used to start letters great back then? Isn't that a great start? 
I bet your emails aren't like that. <laughs> wouldn't, that wouldn't that be great? We should start doing that. You know what I mean? That would be fun. Okay, I digress. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving, you thanks, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And blessed be the word of Lord. Great stuff in Ephesians. So uh, let's just chat about a few things. In the first couple of verses, I said I love those greeting, uh, the re greeting they get. Paul um, is writing to the church in Ephesus um, at the point in time when he's under house arrest in Rome, which puts this book at approximately 62 or 63 AD. He did a lot of writing while he was under house arrest. Um, uh, he's teaching them uh, the subjects about nurturing one another and maintaining unity in the church, which is still important today. Um, as Paul writes this letter, he's been a Christian for about 30 years. Um, he's taken three missionary journeys that we studied. Uh, he started numerous churches all over the Mediterranean Sea at that point in time. Uh, his first visit to Ephesus was on his second missionary journey back in Acts chapter 18 verses 19 and 21, if you want to look at that. And then uh, during the third missionary journey in Acts 19, he stayed in Ephesus for three years. Uh, and he also visited them one other time on the way to somewhere else. Um, uh, he had a, a great affection for the church in Ephesus and for the people there. Um, and so uh, 
he writes to them. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he, uh, he speaks very well of them and encouraging them in this letter. And uh, in, in uh, verses 3 through 14, um, Paul talks about um, the work of each of the persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And um, this, this, you know, that concept and idea is extremely important, especially when you, when you begin to realize um, the value that God has um, and sees in you. It's, it's fascinating. Um, God the Father, in eternity past, chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless. I love that phrase, in Christ. It's one of my favorites. Because we sometimes struggle with, well, I know I'm not holy and blameless. I'm, I'm far from that yet. Um, I'm, on, I'm in process. But I love it. See, God sees us in Christ, right? We've talked about that. You need to know that. That when God looks at you, he looks at you in Christ, and he sees you in the perfection of his son. You're, a, you're, you're still a mess in, in process, but God sees you in Christ because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Um, he chose us to be adopted as his children, um, and he pours out his grace on us in Christ. That's God the Father. God the Son, in history past, redeemed us through his blood on the cross, bringing us forgiveness and, and lavishing on us gifts of wisdom and understanding. Uh, even now, as I said, we're included in Christ and we're looking forward to the complete fulfillment of God's plan and the glory that that fulfillment holds for us. When Jesus comes back, as we're expecting him to do, you know, virtually at any time, he's, we're, I'm ready. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Uh, that's a good thing when he comes back. For, for those that believe in him, it's the best thing. It's the, um, you know, and then knowing that he's coming back is supposed to encourage us to um, live this life in a way that encourages other people to get in before he gets back. But you get the idea. Um, um, when he comes back, uh, then he's going to set everything right. And uh, in a process of, of restoration, and he, and he sets everything right, um, that's what we're waiting on. And, and we have our trust in him and his return. We're, we're just at this point waiting for the end of the harvest. We talked about that a few weeks ago, that we're in... Uh, we're in this break between the first four feasts and the last three that the, the people of Israel celebrated forever. Jesus has fulfilled them all perfectly, the first three, the cross and the resurrection. Pentecost fulfilled with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And now the next one is the Feast of Trumpets. And uh, it, that signifies the end of the major harvest. There were two little harvests, if you remember, with the feasts. And the two little harvests, remember the, the guys, the, they broke out of the tomb when Jesus was crucified. There was a bunch of them that popped out. We don't know how many, but they popped out. And then um, at Pentecost, which was the next harvest, there were 3,000 added to the church that day. That was a harvest. And it's just how it works. A smaller harvest first in Israel, and then a little better harvest. And at the end of the summer, a huge harvest. And that's what we're waiting on now. And that one is, is done at trumpets. Um, and at trumpet, when trumpet was sounded, at the end, it signified at the end of the harvest. And those who worship God left right where they were. It separated the people. Because the people who didn't get the trumpets didn't stop working because there was still stuff that was going on, but it didn't matter. When trumpets sounded, those that worshiped God dropped everything. They were done. That was the end of the harvest season. And they went and worshiped God. And that's what we're waiting on today. The big... Or whatever it sounds like. I hope it's better than that. And uh, don't worry, you'll know. That didn't even sound like a trumpet, did it? it? Sounded like a 
sick duck or something. Yours wasn't any better. See, that's, never mind. Yeah, Aflac. That would be bad. <laughs> oh, we'd miss that one. Okay, so, um, so God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Um, we've been sealed by God's gift of the Holy Spirit, which is a living guarantee of our inheritance to come. The, the, the Holy Spirit lives in us. How, how, how amazing. Um, you and I are the focus of the movement of the Godhead, of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, from before the creation of the universe, he has been focused on you. Each, each person of the Trinity, three in one, involved in what's taking place in your life, and, uh, and involved in bringing us the grace in which we now live. And so you, you need to allow this to, to sink deep into your soul. Um, God, amazing God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work in you from before the creation to have you with him in relationship forever. And so, you know, some of that needs to sink in and cause you to realize how much you matter to God and, and how much of the energies of God have been focused towards you and are continually focused on you to this moment. It'll change everything. You, you didn't just kind of stumble into this deal you didn't just kind of well I'm fortunate you know that that I can get in he did it for you and has beyond what you can imagine is time and that's the focused love of God for you and see that should when you, if you allow that truth to come in it ought to change the way that you look at everything you're not just a random accident. You're not just floating by until he comes back or, or you know, if you figured that part out. Or you have, you, you have a, a divine purpose. You were created with, with reason to be in this time and in this place to do what you're supposed to be doing in him, to be in relationship with him now and forever and to experience the life of his kids now and forever. You make a difference. You count. You have purpose. And, and with God's spirit in us now, we have the power to live for him in a fallen world on a broken planet. And how evident is how much we need that. The world's a mess. It's a broken mess. Because sin has, has messed it up. And as hard as we try to fix it, it's always going to be a broken mess till he comes back. That's the deal. That's, that's what happens. That's why people need to know Jesus. If we could fix it, they wouldn't need them. at some level you need to get that if we could fix this mess with our own ingenuity and stuff they wouldn't need Jesus but we can't it's a mess and it's it's you know but we don't need to be afraid of that because we got Jesus we just need to live for him and he takes care of us and so he, he's got we're his kids it's not a guarantee that we don't have it's a fallen world but it's a guarantee that we're with him forever the spirit of God guarantees us he's in us how cool is that? Then in verses 15 through 21, Paul um, has this great prayer. Um, there's a couple of great prayers in Ephesians. And that, that first one, um, see, once we know who we are in Christ, um, that allows us to experience life differently, as I was saying. And, and so we have a new identity. And that new identity is that we're saints. We're saints. How, how about that? Um, and you, you, sometimes, you know, we think, because we have that terminology confused, that saints are people that have done this stuff and they've gone through a process. The Bible says that, that once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're a saint. 
So, see, that's that in Christ thing again. Because most of us go, uh-uh, no, I ain't. Yeah, you are. In Christ. You're St. Douglas. How about that? St. Kim, St. Robert, St. Barbara, St. Charlotte, St. Robert again. Two St. Roberts. That's why it gets confusing. <laughs> We'd have to figure out a Latin name for one of you. You get the idea, right? So, so you have this new identity. See, that ought to change some things in you too. You're, you're a saint. St. Richard, St. Nancy. How cool is that? Huh? St. John, St. Tricia from England. They even have English saints. Yeah. They're from a vineyard over in England. How cool is that that they're visiting us? We're glad to have you guys. Yeah, yeah. So as, as his saints, his kids, you know, I like to use all those references, we, we have available to us this incomparably great power of the Spirit is available to us who believe. That's what the scripture said. And this power, it's the power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father. That, that picture of the right hand of the Father was a, a picture of authority. And it's available to us. And it's in this power that we live and move as the body of Christ here on earth. With Jesus as the head. We're, we're supposed to be, uh, he's the head still of the church and he, he directs us and we're his body now. Um, you know, and we're to do the things we, that he did when he was here. That's how that analogy works. Because um, he showed us what to do and that's how he wants us to live. Last couple of verses. And, and to do all that, Christ fills the church with gifts and blessings that the church should be the full expression of Christ. And, and each, each person is involved with all the others so that we can do Christ's work. It's not on one of us, it's on all of us together. Um, it's on the saints, and that's us. And we're the church. And, and uh, this is the facility, this is the building, we're the church. And when you leave tonight, the church leaves the building and is the church out in the world. You're the saints out there. And, and we're just to live this thing the best that we can. And, and love people well enough that they're interested in finding out why we have hope in a, in a messed up world. And then hopefully we get a chance to introduce him to our hope at some point in time. And that's what it's all about. Okay, that's enough for Ephesians 1. If you're watching on video or on television, thank you so much for spending time with us. We appreciate it. We know how valuable your time is. If you ever can uh, stop by on Big Pine, come and visit with us. We'd love to have you here. If you need prayer, go to the website and uh, shoot us a contact or prayer request. We'll pray for you. But we're going to pray uh, here tonight as a group and then dismiss.